0: Hello and welcome to an episode of Cat the Baker. I'm Chef KB. Today I'd like to do an episode on fermentation. I love fermented foods. I've always loved fermented foods. Really looking back, something that has been big in my family, being German, is sauerkraut, or as you might say, sauerkraut. Um, but the S in German is pronounced with a Z or a Z. so it's Sauerkraut. Sauerkraut is fermented cabbage. So you can ferment so many things and I'll list and talk about kind of the top 10. Basically, you need a salty brine and thyme. You know, and that is different if you're fermenting vegetables or cabbage versus breads fermented foods have so many benefits my mom was always very health conscious so growing up with always taking probiotics like in yogurts there's natural probiotics I've been making my own yogurt and my mom used to when I was younger she would have this yogurt maker and you can make your own yogurt in the instant pot if you have one basically you heat the milk same as if you were to make ricotta cheese you heat it and then with cheese, you add vinegar, and then it separates the curds from the whey. But if you have whey left over, that's really healthy, and it's very high in vitamin C, and it helps the bones. So when John, the person I've been seeing, he made goat cheese for me. He bought this fresh goat's milk from Paonia, which is about an hour and a half drive from here, and there's a goat farmer and I guess he has chickens too because he brought fresh eggs for me. He got, I think two gallons, I want to say, of goat's milk unpasteurized. And it's always best for making cheese from unpasteurized milk. He decided to make me goat's cheese, which I'm like, yeah, go ahead, make me make me some goat's cheese. Normally he throws away the whey and just keeps the curds. And I said, no, save it. First of all, I don't like to throw things away which everybody who knows me knows I have a lot of things. (laughs) And especially, I feel like you can't throw away whey because I know from baking, if you use it in baking, it makes your baked goods very fluffy. You know, so if you tend to make ricotta cheese or your own goat's cheese, always save the whey. I just had a feeling, no, don't throw it away. So I had him save it in a big bowl. And then I look more into it I realized, like, I think I woke up one day and I thought, this is how I'm going to use the whey because I wasn't sure because I don't want to, I bake so much at work and I didn't feel like taking the whey with me to work because also I want to bake consistently. So if I run out of whey, then it's going to taste different, right? It's going to be different. So I don't want to start something that later on I can't get or won't continue to make. So I thought, how else can I use this whey? Because I had so many containers from two gallons of milk, from goat's milk. The curds are maybe like, I don't know, a pound? So then you have so much whey left. I decided I'm gonna use it in my protein shake because I'll do a protein shake with bone broth. It sounds weird, but it's, it's made from actual cows, which you know sounds a bit weird coming from an ex-vegetarian. <laughs> I use that and it's chocolate flavored. It doesn't taste weird at all. And into that I put like turmeric, I put ginger, cinnamon, cardamom. It's this like spice mix. I use usually like an almond milk or coconut milk and some sort of fruit like strawberries, blueberries or banana. And I like to drink this in the morning like after I go swimming or work out because it's not heavy and it just gives me energy because pretty much when i go into work i'll start snacking or or testing you know if the muffins came out right how the croissant tastes so i have to start testing (laughs) i have to (laughs) no i really do though because i have to make sure that everything's consistent you know and then i start eating sweets which yeah i know i'm addicted i'm addicted to sugar and every time i realize i'm addicted to sugar I think back to when I worked in the chocolate factory. I went on this cleanse, and I didn't have sugar at all, and I had this really bad headache for three days. You know, it's, it's like, uh, it is, it's an addiction. It's like a drug addiction. And I had to wean myself off of it, and it was the worst. Obviously, I know I'm addicted to sugar. I like to start off with a protein shake, and that's how I use the whey. You know, and I woke up one day, and I was like, yes, that's how I'm gonna use it. And it makes the protein shake so good. It's like super frothy. There's so many health benefits in the whey. So if you're making your own cheese, don't throw away the whey. Back to fermented foods, because now I'm getting off track talking about cheese and curds and whey. (laughs) I wanted to talk about fermentation. Fermented foods, because as long as I can remember... I've always enjoyed them and they've always been big in my family. You know, being German, a big thing that we would eat would be Sauerkraut. When we moved back to Germany, to the east, this was after the Berlin Wall. My dad moved there and he had a lot of business because a lot of business owners left that area of Germany to move to the west. We lived in the east of Germany for about a year and a half. This was right before we got our visa to move to the US. I would walk the dogs. We had three dogs from England that we took them with us to move to Germany. And later on, we'd take them with us to move to the US too. So they were big travelers. So I would walk the dogs down this dirt road and there was a, as I would call it, factory. And it was the most horrible odor. I would always hold my breath because there would be fermented cabbage juices kind of outside. It was like this small factory kind of right out where these fields were and people would just walk there. There wouldn't be any traffic or anything. They wouldn't dispose of everything in a great way. So you'd have these like cabbage juices out and then sometimes just like wilted cabbage. Anyway, it was gross. And and it really turned me off of sauerkraut. Uh, sauerkraut, rather. Yeah, but but now I'm thinking, maybe I should make it again. <laughs> because it is so healthy for you, you know? But that was just looking back to sauerkraut. Throughout the years, I made some kimchi too, and I have a friend, also chef. I've interviewed her in the past, Chef Christy Desher. She makes a lot of kimchi, and she uses the kimchi in her croissants. And she made one for me, and it was delicious it's always nice to find new ways to use fermented foods, especially in baking, you know, it's just different. And I just find that fermented foods, especially now, are more trendy because more and more people have allergies, more and more people have these dietary restrictions. And I see it, you know, I work at a luxury hotel property. Everybody has so many issues. I understand but it's also a trend. Like most people are gluten-free, but they don't have celiacs. But, you know, with the flour, if it has a lot of pesticides in it, if it's not organic, and it's so hard to get organic things that are truly organic because everything is in the air. I remember seeing this documentary that in Mexico, they weren't using pesticides, but they did these tests. From the wind from the US, it was coming over into their product in Mexico, and you can't prevent it. You know, as much as you try, everything is everywhere. We're all connected. So more and more people are having more allergic reactions. Understandably, you can't have something without effects, right? You can't use pesticides or unnatural things without having effects down the road. And more and more, we're seeing that in the gut or not being able to digest things easily. You know, so probiotics help with that. And I've just always been into it. You know, my mom would make a lot of pickles, her own pickles, so fermented cucumbers. She'd make sauerkraut, fermented cabbage. When I got into baking, I just really loved to try new things. Making my own kefir, which is using these kefir grains in your milk, and it gives you kefir which is great for digestion and probiotics. And then when I lived in Switzerland, I made my own natural yeast, which is vegetable or fruit puree, because you have sugars in that, with water and sugar. And then you let that sit for a week to 10 days. And then through the sugar in the fruit and veggies, you know, it feeds off the sugar that you put in, and then it's fermented and you get your natural yeast and you can make bread with that. So it's something I've always been interested in and you feel good. You know, these are natural probiotics. A lot of people, when they eat bread, it has factory yeast, which is great because, you know, you can make bread fast or whatever you're making fast, but sometimes you don't feel good. You might feel bloated after you eat certain breads or pizza or things like that, but using natural yeast, you don't get that feeling, and you feel good in your gut, and it's easy to digest. The only thing is, first of all, you have to let it ferment, which takes time. And then when you make the actual product, that takes time too, because you have to let it sit in between, sometimes overnight, and then eight hours, you know, like it just takes a long time. But when you follow through with all the steps, the product is great. And you can do it all at home, which is what I love. You know, these things are not expensive, but they take time and consistency to follow through. So let's just talk about fermentation. So during fermentation, microorganisms, yeast, bacteria, or mold, they break down the carbs in the foods into various compounds alcohol, lactic acid, carbon dioxide, and that acts as a preservative and gives fermented foods the sour taste. So the result are foods are rich in probiotics. So the other day I made kombucha. Well, I started a kombucha in June and I ordered a SCOBY. It's basically a mushroom, but SCOBY stands for symbiotic colony of bacteria and yeast. You have to have a SCOBY which is the starter mushroom with black tea. You can also use green tea, sugar, and water. The mushroom feeds off of the sugar over time. You know, it ferments, and it takes about initially 10 to 14 days, but it also depends on how cool it is. So in my apartment, it's pretty cool. I live in the basement. And that's going to take longer you know when it's not warm but you want it in the shade you don't want it in direct sun in my apartment it ferments pretty slowly but i had an initial batch and i put it in glass jars mason jars glass jars i have this large gallon jar with a spout where you can drink from it i cover it with a cheesecloth and a rubber band around it. Or you can just use, when you make bread and you have a bread basket, you can use the cloth that is inside the bread basket. And instead of using a cheesecloth, you just put that around the top. You want it to breathe. You know, it has to continue breathing. So I started my first batch in June, but the spout I had, you know, I cleaned the whole thing, but the spout was not fully clean. And I thought it was, But there was still bacteria in it and the initial batch started to mold. So when you make it, you know, you get these weird layers on top and it's just the scoby, the mushroom, it's spreading out. And sometimes it's hard to know if it's mold or if it's a healthy batch. The mold is fuzzy. And that's when I knew, okay, I have to throw this batch away and I knew that something was contaminating it. Glass is always easy to clean, and glass is the best way to go. You never wanna use plastic for fermentation. So I had to throw that whole batch away because it was fuzzy, just doesn't look good. And then I ordered another SCOBY, and you can get it on Amazon. Um, There's multiple sites. Actually, there's one called posymom.com, but there's so much information on every fermented food it's crazy but also amazing you know because it's not hard to find and it's so within your reach so I ordered another scoby and I started a fresh batch I cleaned the spout I bleached it like really making sure everything's good and I let everything dry out all the parts and I started again and I crossed my fingers (laughs) so basically you need a third cup of loose tea so either green tea or black tea I have a lot of jasmine, so I use jasmine and it gives it a really nice floral flavor. Then you need one cup of sugar and one gallon of water, which is 16 cups. You boil your water, you add your sugar, you put in the black tea and you let it steep for a minimum of 10 minutes, depending how strong you want it. If you want a strong flavor in your kombucha, then you can steep it like 20 minutes but you don't want to go excessive and then you strain it and you have to let it cool you have to cool the whole tea uh, between 68 to 85 degrees fahrenheit and then you pour it into your glass container very clean and then you add your scoby and then you put a cheesecloth over that and you let it sit for minimum seven to ten days and then you taste it keep watching it to make sure that it's healthy because the thing is, when you buy kombucha in the store, it is pasteurized. When you make it yourself, it's raw. Raw is better because nothing's been killed off. You have all the bacteria, all the positive bacteria that you need. But if it turns, if something's off, then it can be harmful, you know? So you really have to make sure you're watching it and making sure everything's clean to begin with. And I keep inspecting it to make sure that everything's healthy. But over time, the SCOBY is going to give it that sourness. It's feeding off the sugar that you've added. And then about every two weeks, you take maybe like two thirds of the kombucha and you bottle it. And then at that point, you can either drink it plain and it will have a slight uh, fizziness to it, like effervescence you know, most fermented foods do, which is nice. And then at that point, you can flavor it. So you can puree ginger, you can puree any type of fruit, you know, like kiwi, raspberry, strawberry, whatever you want. And you can make your whole combination of kombucha. You ferment it normal, as I've been talking about, then you pour it into glass bottles. And then at that point, you can add your fruit purees and then you let them sit for like another week in the fridge and then it's going to have even more effervescence because it's already fermented but this fruit is more sugar so the flavor is really going to set in my favorite is ginger but i get impatient you know and i'm so excited about the kombucha that i drink it faster um than adding these purees but in the past when i lived in flagstaff I went on this kombucha kick and once you start and get it going it multiplies so fast you know so it's good to have mason jars or clean glass bottles readily available and then you just put the date on there that you know you know which batch to use first and drink but at that point I did flavor it I flavored it with all these different purees and it's easy if you have like one of those little bullet blenders You can just put your fruit in there, strain it, and then put it into your kombucha in the bottle. It's pretty amazing. Also mango is really nice too. So that's my kombucha and this batch is turning out great. Every two weeks I take liquid and sometimes I even drink from it. So I got sick a couple weeks ago and I decided to just drink the kombucha. I had this like sore throat and cough and when I drank the kombucha, it really helped my throat. It's interesting because I did notice a difference. So I haven't had a chance to collect too much because I've been drinking it a lot. And you know when it's ready because it won't taste as sour, it'll be more sweet. You know, so then you want to let it sit longer. But you can also decide how much sweetness you like. If you like it sweeter versus sour, obviously it's healthier when it has been fermented longer and it's more sour. Because the longer you let it sit, it's gonna continue and basically turn into vinegar. It's gonna have this like vinegar flavor. So that's why you keep wanting to take off and then make a new tea batch and add that with new sugar. So it always has something to feed off of. You know, it's, it's alive. It's live bacteria. Same with yeast, you know, which is pretty amazing. And of course, if you make it the right way, it's gonna be healthy. And then a few weeks ago, I decided to make my own pickles. So easy. Like, I went to Denver and I went to H Mart, this Asian market. I got so excited and I was like, I'll just bring one bag. You know, one bag should be fine. No. Like, do I not know myself at this point? Like, (laughs) Or I think if I only take one bag with me that I won't buy more. Incorrect. I will always buy more, and I'll be like, "Oh, it's fine. I'll figure it out," you know. <laughs> but I got super excited in H Mart, and I found these mini cucumbers, and I decided to buy them. I'm like, "Yeah, I'm gonna make some pickled cucumbers." Like, I'll see it, and then I'm like, "Oh yeah, let me do this," <laughs> you know. And I'll I'll just buy. So I bought these mini uh, cucumbers, and I also bought an Asian cucumber, which is just a different kind of cucumber. It was more yellowish, it grew more like a squash, it was thicker. So I thought, okay, let me let me bring that too and I'll pickle that. So yeah, I, I got all this stuff at the Asian market and then you have to use it quickly, you know, cause these mini cucumbers don't last too long. The nice thing is when you make your own pickles, you can flavor it any way you want. You know, the most important thing is, is you have a base. So basically it's four cups water, two cups apple cider vinegar, one cup sugar, and that depends on how sweet you want it. If you want bread and butter pickles, probably two cups, but mine was still kind of sour. So in Germany and Europe, dill pickles are the most popular. So I got some fresh dill and I wanted to put that in there. And then one cup of sugar added sweetness, but it was still sour, you know, so I didn't want it too sweet. So that's a variable, but you do need some amount of sugar to feed off of and then five tablespoons salt you want it pretty salty and then you can add any type of spices you want so like I said fresh dill you can add jalapeno you can add garlic peeled you can add anything like onions you could add bell pepper so I'm growing stuff in my garden these veggies I have these blonde bell peppers so I thought oh let me just add that in there too you know <laughs> like. I just get excited when I grow my own things or when I pickle my own things. I added a peppercorn seed blend, mustard seeds, coriander seeds, allspice, Korean chili. So one time I made pickles and I added a bit too much allspice. So I decided this time I'll add less because it was more, it just tasted heavy on the allspice. So I think I prefer it with a little less. And that's pretty much the base. You can add bay leaves and then one cup of white vinegar. So you need two cups apple cider vinegar and one cup white vinegar. You know, basically you can add your own creativity. So the brine has to boil. You want it to boil fully. You get your mason jars, make sure they're sanitized and super clean and either let them air dry or use a paper towel. Don't use a cloth unless it's super clean, just because, Of any bacteria and then you fill your mason jars with your dill with your spices and your cucumbers and you don't even have to get mini cucumbers you can just get regular and cut them up like I said you can pickle anything you can even add like fresh chili peppers when you go to Germany in a grocery store there are so many glasses of pickles like Germans go crazy on pickles like it's not like we think of cucumber but you can pickle literally anything and this goes back to the day you know when there wasn't refrigeration you knew you had food that you harvested when the winter came and literally you would just eat pickled stuff but it's super healthy so yeah you can just go nuts and pickle everything so i did that i want to say like three weeks ago and you want to let it sit one to three months depending on how strong you want it but usually definitely six weeks and then you can start eating it. So you fill your glasses with all your spices and your cucumbers. You heat your brine, make sure it boils, and then you pour it right away into your mason jar and you cover the lid right away. It's going to vacuum seal. You'll know because on the mason jar you have like a little thing that pops up on top and you screw the jar. If you wait like 10 minutes, you know, the vacuum is going to fully seal and that's how you know it's been vacuum sealed and you don't have to refrigerate it you can let it sit out for like six weeks or months you know you don't need a refrigerator if you do the process correctly if it doesn't vacuum seal then refrigerate it and that works too but you just have to be aware if it's not fully clean you know the top sometimes can go bad but that's why you need the salty brine because the salt keeps You know, everything in that liquid, you wanna fill the liquid to the top. Everything that's in it is gonna be fine because of the salt, it's a preservative. So just talking about kombucha, I looked this up and it's high in probiotics. Obviously when you make it yourself, it's raw. So it's gonna be higher. So there's six billion organisms of probiotics per 16 ounces. (laughs) So yeah, I've just been like drinking kombucha constantly you want to make sure that if you buy it if you don't make it yourself that you pay attention to the sugar content and you want it to be 10 grams of sugar or less when you buy it and you know it's not cheap when you buy it like one bottle is four to six dollars it's so cheap to make like literally the mushroom is between 10 to 15 dollars and then you just have to be patient but once you get it going you get so much kombucha So, it's good for and any fermented foods. They're great for just natural balance of your gut bacteria. If you have irritable bowel syndrome or diarrhea, it's great. But you don't have to drink it just for that, you know. But if you're bloated a lot and you just don't feel good, I highly recommend it or anything fermented. It promotes heart health, it can control your blood sugar. And it supports your immune system so that you don't get sick. But if you are sick, it's also great to drink kombucha or have any fermented foods because it's going to make you feel better faster. It's high in antioxidants and free radicals. Let's talk about some other fermented foods. Miso. Miso are fermented soybeans. It's basically great for the gut. It's high in manganese, and copper, and zinc. It helps energy levels. It also promotes brain health. And when I went to the conference in Atlanta, there was a company called Miso Master. You can also buy it online, misomaster.com. And I've seen them all over grocery stores. But the most common varieties of miso paste are white or red. But there are over 1,300 varieties depending on the type of soybean. Which is also interesting, too, because when I was in Japan, there were so many varieties in the store. You could just, I mean, you could go nuts. And um, it was interesting because when I stayed at a hotel outside of Tokyo, I went for a Japanese breakfast because I was interested. And there was miso soup. There were a lot of kind of fish, like smoked fish. There was a lot of fish in the soup. And I thought, wow, this is really healthy, you know, and it's fermented. So that's a great way to start the day. But I also was like, "Mm, I don't really want this for breakfast, you know, but there was a lot of pickles, you know, so it was interesting because that's healthy. You know, and if you look at Japanese people, they're just, they're very generally very petite. I just remember when I went to a natural spring in Japan, you know, obviously I have a different build. Okay, like, (laughs) but Japanese women will always look at me because I just, you know, I'm not, first of all, I'm not petite. I don't know, I'm just wide in comparison to like Japanese women. Like they were all so tiny, but you know, they have a great lifestyle and they start their day with fermented foods. So the most common varieties of miso are white or red, but there's also yellow, there's black, there's shiro miso, which is soybean and rice like it's combination. Miso is from fermented soybeans, but you can also get it from rice or barley. So they're all gonna be different variations and they're all gonna taste different. Just get a basic miso paste and you put that in water and make it your broth. Like that is a great base and it's so easy. And then on top of that, you can put your veggies in, put an egg in, and you've got an awesome miso soup. Yogurt is another fermented food. And I remember my mom would make her own yogurt. And this was when I was like super young. But it was a little machine, and it basically keeps the yogurt that you're making at a steady temperature. It's not a high temperature. Basically, the bacteria multiplies faster because of the temperature. And I also have a yogurt maker, but I don't really need it because I have an Instant Pot. If you have an Instant Pot, you can make awesome yogurt in your Instant Pot. Here's a super easy recipe. You get four cups of milk, you boil it, like simmer, you add half a cup of plain yogurt from like a previous batch or a batch that you buy. Like this is the easiest because you can get actual powdered bacteria and add it to your milk, but this is way easier and it works really well. And then you can save your own batch of yogurt, like a half a cup and then keep making another batch and another batch you know you just initially buy a half a cup of yogurt and then use that but then after that first one you can keep using your own yogurt to make another batch so four cups of milk half a cup of actual yogurt so you boil your milk and then you cool it to room temperature you just want it to be like body temperature so if you put your finger in and It's not hotter than your body temperature or colder. Like that means it's good. So same as, you know, same as the tea for making kombucha. You want it to be within that temperature range of 68 to 85. And then you add your half a cup of yogurt and one tablespoon sugar. And you put it in individual small mason jars. You can put your own berries in there, you can put honey in there, you can put maple syrup in there, or have no sweetener at all. You can add cardamom, cinnamon, like you're in control of making your own yogurt, which like that gets me excited. (laughs) I know it's a small things, you know, and then you leave the lid off, but you put it in your Instant Pot and put like a very thin layer of water in there. Turn on the Instant Pot to warm and you let it sit in there with the Instant Pot lid on for like 10 hours. And I usually do it overnight, like when I'm in bed, it'll it'll go. And in the morning, it'll be firmer. It'll still be like liquidy, but that's because it's still warm. And then you put your mason jar lids on there and you put it in the fridge. And then by the time you come back from work, you've got this beautiful yogurt. When you make things naturally, like yogurt, it's not, like store-bought. Store-bought is always thicker, and that's because if you look at the ingredients, they'll tend to add thickeners. It is different if you're used to store-bought and then make your own, but the flavor of your own yogurt, it's so much better, like it's just different. If you are close to getting unpasteurized milk, that is even healthier. When I lived in Switzerland, I was close to a sheep farm And sheep's milk is delicious. Like who would have thought? I didn't, I didn't know. You bring your own glass bottle and they fill it like super fresh milk, unpasteurized. They fill the bottle and it's like cheap. If you're lactose intolerant, actually if you drink fresh unpasteurized milk, it's fine. Like you don't have any side effects. Usually you have these issues after the milk has been pasteurized and nothing against pasteurization it's awesome because it makes the product last longer and it kills any bacteria you know because for kids you want to be on the safe side and probably give them pasteurized milk if you buy something that's unpasteurized you have to drink it or eat it within four days because it goes bad very quickly but the flavor of something raw is so much better it doesn't taste gamey so like sheep's milk after it's been pasteurized has a very different flavor. Same with goat's milk. The raw milk tastes so good. So John, he had this idea that he make this goat cheese and then we go and watch the meteor shower on the top of Independence Pass. It's about 40 minutes away and you get to the highest point and you're so close to the sky. You don't even have to look straight up because most stars that you see are right in front of you. He set up his car with like all these blankets because it was chilly at night. We went at like midnight. He got me a pillow and blankets and I laid on this bench and just looked at the meteor shower, which was awesome. And then I had this idea, let's bring some fresh goat's milk and make hot chocolate. I still have this Swiss chocolate from when I worked at Ledrach. I put in milk chocolate and dark chocolate into the goat's milk. This hot chocolate was so good, and it was so warm and creamy. So I was watching this meteor shower with this fresh hot chocolate, with this awesome milk, and it was so memorable. I think it was like that day or the next day, while I was at work, he cleaned my car, like he washed the whole car, and I hadn't cleaned my car in months. So I come back from work and he washed my car. Like, who does that? (laughs) And I'm thinking, wow, he, he really must like me. It was so beautiful just seeing all these shooting stars. I could have made like 40 wishes. You know, I didn't go crazy on the wishes. Oh, and he also vacuumed my apartment while I was at work. I'm like, What, you did what? You vacuumed my apartment? (laughs) You know, but I just wanna talk about, I think I mentioned before with, with the episode with communication, you know, there's different love languages. One of them is acts of service. Like that's totally me. If somebody does the dishes or laundry or vacuums, I'm like, yes, this is so romantic. Like, isn't that funny though? Gifts are nice, but if somebody like cleans my apartment, that is the nicest thing ever, <laughs> you know? It, d- it doesn't take much, it really doesn't. Anyway, back to fermentation, I know I got like off topic as usual. Oh, and he watered my garden. So I've got all these sunflowers, I've got tomatoes, I've got jalapenos, bell peppers. It was getting super hot during the day, so he watered my garden so nothing would dry out or get wilty, and when I was on the trip in Atlanta, he drove up to water my garden. Where are you from? And you know, and why is this happening? Like, But I don't want to question too much because it's awesome. Like it's so thoughtful and sweet. Here's some other kinds of fermented foods. So there's tempeh, which is a cousin of tofu, but tofu is not fermented, but tempeh is. It's made from whole soybeans that underwent fermentation. And they're super high in protein for a small serving. So three ounces of a serving will give you 20 grams of protein. So kefir, kefir is basically like a drinkable yogurt. It's thin but it's very very high in protein. It has vitamin B, potassium, calcium and basically you need kefir grains that are added to milk. So when I lived in Flagstaff I made my own kefir. Somebody It wasn't even somebody I knew. Somehow I mentioned it when I was talking to somebody at Whole Foods, and then a person passed by and she said, I have kefir grains. You can pick them up, I have extra. I'm like, okay. (laughs) So you get these kefir grains and you put them in milk and you let it sit out and it ferments. And after like a few hours, you put it in the fridge. Again, it depends on how cold or warm your apartment or is, So my apartment is pretty cold. I have to let my kefir sit out for, I don't know, 15 hours. Like a while, it's kinda cold. So I just bought this heating mat and you can buy it. It's an electric mat and you can buy it online and you plug it in and it speeds up your fermentation if your apartment is cold. If your apartment is warm, probably it needs to sit out for eight hours and if it's on the cooler side, about 12 to 15, and it'll start to thicken. And then you strain it so that you get the grains out, the kefir grains, you start a new batch. It's one cup of cold milk, and you add your kefir grains, let it sit out, and then after it thickens, you strain it, and you put what you strained in the fridge and you have kefir. And the more you do it, The grains are going to multiply, and then you can make more batches. Same with the kombucha. The more you let it ferment, the mushroom, the scoby, is going to multiply and grow. And then you can cut the mushroom and give it to somebody else if you want, and then they can start their own batch. So it's high in amino acid and tryptophan, it, which and tryptophan ignites your serotonin, which is your neurotransmitter, so it affects our mood and our sleep. So kefir is actually great for that. And then kimchi, you know, fermented cabbage and radishes, super high in vitamin C and vitamin K. It's good for wound healing, for bone strengthening. can help with weight loss. And then sauerkraut, fermented cabbage, high in vitamin C, You can add it to sandwiches. You can even put barbecue sauce in there. Super low in calories and healthy. So the bacteria in there is lactic acid. So it's lacto-fermentation, which is lactobacillus, and it produces lactic acid, which converts sugars in the cabbage. You know, and I think I'm gonna try it. Like, why not? And it's super easy, too. So basically have one fresh cabbage shredded. You can use white or red cabbage one and a half tablespoons of salt and one tablespoon of caraway seeds. So you have this bowl, you shred your cabbage, again, make sure everything's clean. You put your salt in there and you mix it for like five minutes and the juices are gonna start coming out of the cabbage. You put it in the jar, you cover it with a cheesecloth and you secure it with a rubber band and over the next 24 hours you keep pressing it down and you leave it out for three to 10 days. You wanna keep it out of the sun and you check it after three days. And if it needs more salt, you can add more salt. And then you screw on the cap, you put it in the fridge. And if you see any kind of scum that forms on the top, you scoop it off and then put it back in the fridge. But that's when you can start using it. You know, put it on sandwiches, put it on top of your salad, put it on top of like any meat. You know, it's just is super healthy and has a great taste. And then of course there's natural yeast, which I touched on earlier, and If you look at my Instagram, like way back, like three years back, I don't want to go back that far, but I did this whole thing on natural yeast and I got awesome results. I did like beet juice. I did onion juice. Like you can, you can go crazy and puree anything, anything that is high in sugar. You can make natural yeast out of pretty much any fruit and most vegetables but I had this whole experiment going and it was so much fun. And then of course you have a sourdough starter. Sourdough bread that's only made from sourdough starter is so good for your digestion. You know, people who say they don't wanna eat gluten, this is good. It's not hard to digest and you will feel the difference. You won't get bloated. So if you wanna start a sourdough starter, basically a quarter cup of all-purpose flour quarter cup of rye flour, and then you want to make a paste with water. So it's about a quarter cup to half a cup. You don't want it to be liquidy, more pasty. And then you let it sit out. And if you have a cap, screw it on lightly. Feed it every eight to 12 hours. So you only have rye for the base. It adds like a nuttiness. But then after that, you just stick to one flour. I usually do a bread flour. Depends how much bread you want to make. You know, so you can keep a tiny batch because every time you feed it, you throw out like a half to two thirds of it. And then you add half a cup of bread flour and then like a quarter cup of water and make more paste. You just don't want any dry flour in there. After four to five days, you can start to use this starter. But if you wanna keep making bread, then you leave it out and you keep feeding it and every eight to 12 hours, if you don't, You can keep your sourdough starter in your fridge and it's dormant. Even if it gets like a brown layer on top, it's fine. You can just refresh it. You take off the layer, and then you start feeding it again. Every time you feed it, you throw away half to two thirds of it, and then every eight to 12 hours keep feeding it. So I have a sourdough starter, I combined it with somebody else's and now it's 12 years old. And like they say in like San Francisco, it's like a what, 200 year old starter. It's just going to have more and more flavor, it's going to have more depth. But you can have an awesome starter that is like that you just made. You'll see the difference in your bread, it just won't be as sour. The longer you have it, the more you feed it, the more sour flavor it's going to get and you don't have to add much to your bread. And I just think it's super interesting. Maybe that's just me. And I figure I would just do this whole episode on these easy things that are healthy. And it's like a science project, (laughs) you know, which is, you know, what I really enjoy. And I love that when I met John, he's all into food. Like all we talk about is food. Like it's such a turn on. Like (laughs) who knew that this would make a relationship work is just talking about food. Like, that's all we do. I cook for him. He cooks for me. It's awesome. I also want to talk about when I was at H Mart. They have the most amazing varieties of mushroom. And I decided to make this fresh noodle dish. I got fresh noodles at H Mart. They had, it was like a rice noodle and it had some pumpkin in it, which you couldn't really taste the pumpkin when I made it. But I thought, okay, this is different. Let me try it. So I got that. I got lion's mane mushrooms which had a really nice flavor. I got oyster mushrooms. I don't know if you've ever had them, but if you see them, buy them. They're super hard to find here. And they're these brown, crunchy mushrooms. Like even if you cook them, they don't lose their crunch and they soak up the sauce really nicely. So I made kind of a like a stir fry with the noodles. I also added Chinese eggplant, which is longer. The skin is not as firm, you know, so it's really nice to cut up. I also got Chinese sausage, which is sweeter. They just add different sugars to the sausage. And then I made this whole fresh dish. And of course, John was like super impressed. I'm like, yes. (laughs) If you stick with me, I'm gonna keep cooking for you. So this is a good deal. And you get pastries, like how can you beat that? Hello? So here's a really easy noodle sauce, and it's delicious. You can put it in noodles, stir fry. It makes anything taste great. I also made this veggie stir fry, and I put it in, and I served it on top of a big potato. Even that was delicious. So it's dark soy sauce, about like one cup, or half a cup, depending on how much you're making. Regular soy sauce. So dark soy sauce just has A different flavor than regular soy sauce, but if you go to an Asian marketplace it's easy to find and they have so many different soy sauces. It blew my mind. You do equal amounts dark soy sauce and regular soy sauce. You put in whole garlic, you chop up onion, you put in star anise, also chili. Don't forget a red chili. You put in some rice vinegar. You could also use rice wine as a little sweetener or mirin and you mix it all together, put it straight in your noodles. It is so good and flavorful. And of course, soy sauce is also fermented. So soy sauce has four basic ingredients, soybeans, wheat, salt, and water. And over time, this ferments and you get soy sauce. I drove to Denver, not just for H Mart, but to see Ed Sheeran in concert, which was crazy because it's an open stadium, 85,000 people. It kept being delayed because of weather. So they had this storm come in, there was lightning. So everybody that was in their seats kept going out. So we went out and in, out and in. I think it was like six times, like it was crazy. And I was there at, I don't know, 4 p.m. You know, and I went there early just because I didn't want to get in traffic or also figure out parking because you have to park kind of far away because then you walk over to the stadium and I got this ticket one year ago. I didn't even know what was going to happen a year later. You know what I mean? Like when you get these concert tickets, you never know what's going to happen. I'm like, okay, hopefully next year there won't be an event that I have to be at work for, but luckily it worked out. He did start at 10 p.m. He was supposed to start at 8 p.m. Khalid, was opening and he had to interrupt his opening act because of the weather so he performed like three songs and that was it and then Ed Sheeran came on at 10 p.m. two hours later and he went till midnight but it was really good but I'm so happy that he performed like some people left because they didn't think he would actually perform but I'm glad I stayed he did such a great job I love his songs he did this whole segment where he was talking about him not having pre-recorded tracks you know he did everything live with his guitar it was so nice but because <laughs> it was in the stadium he was so tiny you know which was the cool thing about here in aspen they have this i guess club i don't know you call it club but they have an events bar i don't know if you want to call it that but It's called Belly Up, and they have all these performers that come here. The tickets are more expensive because the venue is smaller, but you get to be right up front, you know, with these acts, which is awesome. So yeah, like last week, Milky Chance was here, and I saw them perform. Jamestown Revival came, and they did an awesome show. And I'm not really into country music, but it was so much fun. Summer is almost over which I'm sad about because that means basically in October it's gonna start snowing and I don't think I'm ready for it because I have to bring in all my plants and I have so many plants outside I know I love the summer here it's perfect like it's not that hot and I guess because it snows so much that's how you get a perfect summer everything is so green and beautiful I don't know I just want summer forever but then it would be hotter and not perfect, right? And I've been kayaking this summer, so every chance I get, I try and kayak. I went to Rudi Reservoir, and then I drove down past Glenwood Springs, which is down valley, and there's this place called Harvey Gap, which it's more flat further down, and it gets warmer in the valley, but the water is not as cold and you can go bathe in it, but I went kayaking there and then went swimming, Again, like I love all the lakes and kayaking and I'll probably kayak tomorrow on my day off, but now I'm just rambling and try making a fermented food. It's like when you make bread, it's something that is simple, but it just takes time or the kombucha tea, like they're easy, they're affordable ingredients, much more affordable than when you buy them. When you finish something, when you accomplish something like making a cake, you know, even though that's Making a cake is more complicated than these fermented foods, I'm telling you. So (laughs) if you can make a cake, then you can definitely ferment your own food. When you have this product and you keep it going for however long, like it's easy. You know, you just initially have to know how to do it and then you did it, you know? So try a fermented food, let me know what you think if you want to, and have fun. You know, because anything food-related, to me, is fun. And if you can have all these different flavor profiles with pickles or whatever else you want to pickle, I mean, why not? This is going to taste awesome. Like, let's say if you have, like, a Korean barbecue style, and you have all these different pickles with it or kimchi, it's so delicious. Pretty much every day, I drink my own kombucha now. And I've started flavoring it with the purees like I was talking about. I did a strawberry one and a ginger. I tried a bought kombucha the other day because I still had some in my fridge. And the flavor has no depth. Truly. Like, when you make things yourself, you get used to it, you know, because it's it's just a better flavor. And then when you try the store-bought things, you realize this really isn't that good and you pay like four times more so don't be discouraged just try one thing and I think you'll notice a difference and also being live bacteria it's a lot healthier than when you buy it in the store try it and just have fun because that's the point of cooking and baking and then after you've done it you'll be so proud of yourself I swear you know it's just like these little boosts of confidence even in little things. Like, it doesn't seem like much, but it just adds the satisfaction and confidence. And you're like, yeah, fuck yeah, I can do this. Like, (laughs) you know, and you have something to eat. That's always a cool thing. Thank you for listening to an episode of Cat the Baker. I'm Chef KB. Until next time. And please join me on Instagram at Chef KB or on YouTube at Cat the Baker.